Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Christmas special for 2020 of Film Detectives. Today, we are going to discuss two of the most important Christmas movies that laid the foundations for the modern Christmas movie. They are Frank Capra's 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, and George Seaton's 1947 classic, Miracle on 34th Street. In It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart, a young man with so many problems in his life, thinks about ending it all on Christmas. Seen in flashback, the angels discuss George's life. Before he has a chance of jumping off a bridge, he ends up rescuing his guardian angel, Clarence, who shows him life without George Bailey. On a happier note, Miracle on 34th Street centers around an old man named Chris Kringle, who ends up filling in for a drunk Santa in the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. But when the validity of his identity is called into question, he must defend who he is and what Christmas truly means. That believing in something is a true test of the imagination and part of the Christmas spirit. In both films, A Miracle on 34th Street really had a distinct viewpoint on consumerism and capitalism at that time because it's also saying you don't have to always push and sell your own product. You have to really think about the kids and also think about your fellow man and trying to help them in some way instead of just trying to make a quick buck, you know? Yeah, it kind of goes down to that, you know, that old saying, the customer is always right. Yeah, which I thought was kind of very different for films for that time because like, you know, this Miracle on 34th Street was made in 1947, so it's two years after World War II ends. And they're trying to say that there has to be a change in the greediness of man itself. It's it's that whole humanity, especially what we're in right now with, you know, 2020. And, you know, everybody doesn't have the ability to go out, buy gifts and everything. But it, it really makes you realize what is important this year. I mean, you know, people aren't able to see their families this year. A lot of people because of the circumstances and it's it's being, you know, put that much you know, Black Friday and all that stuff kind of got thrown to the side because, you know, every year Black Friday and, you know, all those deals are kind of like the main focus, you know, Thanksgiving kind of gets thrown under the radar too, right? But this year, it's more about humanity, more about family, more about, you know, making sure those that you love- Trying to stay alive. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Which, I know it's like beating a dead horse here, but every week- even even with these Christmas films, you know, that are absolute classics, the director had such a have vision already for, you know, what humanity, what they were trying to convey about humanity and everything. And that's the, the sad thing, though, is I felt that with Miracle on 34th Street and It's a Wonderful Life, you know, you watch those films and they have a timelessness to them. The themes that come up in those films, such as, you know, treat thy neighbor as you would want to be treated and also to be grateful for what you have, especially in It's a Wonderful Life, since George Bailey, you know, literally has to see that without him, none of his family or any of his friends would have a life themselves. You know, some would even even be here. And I think that's a very poignant theme that really relates to what we're going through today. You know, just be thankful for what you have and be grateful for the people that your own life influences because every life is sacred and it needs to be protected, you know, and also it needs to be cherished. You know, we're only put here on this earth for a short amount of time and 
we need to be thankful for what that life entails. And despite all the road bumps along the way and all the happiness and all the sadness as well. Yeah, you know, we get so caught up, like George's character, we get so caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. How am I going to make money? How am I going to provide? Which that's all important, right? That's part of life. But at the same time, we take ourselves out of, you know, just living life when we're doing that. So many people these days go from, you know, a nine to five job. Well, not as much now just because, you you know, with COVID and everything and how, how what the situation we're in. But people just go from work to home to work to home to work to home, which there's nothing wrong with that. But you also have to live life at the same time. There's so many important moments that kind of encapsulate our lives. Each is like a benchmark, right? Like a story. It's like our, you know, the climax, you know, it's our rising action and thing like that. And we get so caught up paying the bills and surviving, especially right now, that we just really forget to look at what's important. And what we do have. Who are the people we have in our life? And just be thankful for every life that we run into in our lives. And I, I think that's a very poignant point that Frank Capra with It's a Wonderful Life was trying to make at that time because he served in World War II and he saw death and saw people dying every day. And he was one of the few Hollywood directors that were put overseas to film the war, along with John Ford and a couple others as well from the Hollywood clique of directors that was around during that time. And so when they came back from war, they all brought their own experiences of having gone through that war itself, World War II itself. And you see their own beliefs kind of come through their own films because especially in It's a Wonderful Life, it's a great example of Frank Capra's just love for humanity itself. He is a humanist in, in his own right because with a lot of his films, he focuses on the human condition. He also will show, like, focus on a certain family or set of characters in a family and how they're going through some kind of struggle and how do they overcome that. I think with It's a Wonderful Life, it carries on through that. And also, it's a timeless film because they, Frank Capra really put a lot of his heart and soul into the film. It comes through on screen. You get the sense that George Bailey is kind of like Capra himself, where he's gone through so much struggle, so much pain that he comes out the other end being grateful for what he has. And I think that's what Capra was trying to kind of convey with it's a Wonderful Life. Now, with Miracle on 34th Street... What a great film that was, though. The The guy playing uh, the Santa Claus was fantastic. Chris Kringle? Played brilliantly by Edmund Gwen. He just had such a sensitivity and kindness to him. And that's what I think, with that film, they were trying to say that everyone's played Chris Kringle. This kind of, I thought, brought a very kind of human quality to Santa Claus. Like he's still a man, but he's trying to just do good in the world and keep that Christmas spirit alive, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, like they gave him that mystical type of feel, but they didn't be like, this is Santa Claus. You know, they didn't say it outright. They didn't show him doing any crazy stuff. And and so the I love the very last scene with the cane in the house. That was the magical moment of that film because it was it was a great staple of just, oh, you just, you know, but the whole thing with the film was it focused on having faith in a belief and an ideal. And what does Santa Claus really represent? And what does Christmas really mean to people? You know, I think that's the message it was trying to say in the film itself. You have the daughter, Susan and her mother, who are just total non-believers of Santa Claus. 
they don't believe in anything. Even Susan has no imagination, even though she's like supposed to be eight or nine years old and all the other kids have an imagination, but she doesn't. And she's had to grow up too much and she's kind of taken on her mother's also stigma of rejecting imagination and belief itself and and believing in something that's what i was going to say that you know imagination is such a another a huge you know theme just to have an imagination how powerful an imagination can be that scene where chris is with susan and he's teaching her to be a monkey is just that's incredible because that you know coming from an acting standpoint that that's just throwing away any judgment or anything like that and just letting yourself live in the moment and be that monkey be a monkey at that time you know that's something that we basically get away from you know as we get older we start out as kids you know we had that imagination being in a store or, you know a banana becomes a gun or something you know whatever right we we go and save the universe Exactly. And and we use our imaginations more when we're children. We have that innocence. And I think we lose a lot of that innocence as we get older and mature. We forget those concepts that really, I think, keep our sense of fun and excitement and just overall happiness sometimes. It keeps those alive if you have an imagination, you have an active imagination. Obviously, you can't be a daydreamer all the time, but a certain sense of an imagination and creativeness allows you to be a fully rounded person. And even with Doris in the film, right? She doesn't believe anymore. She doesn't have that um, because imagination is part of, you know, believing, you know, having that faith in a sense, right? But when we get put in that adult world, we're kind of taught to stop that childish part of us, right? We're kind of told to shut in society today. We're kind of told to shut that down, right? We're not supposed to have that same mysticality and things like that, which is the whole case with Santa Claus. Spoiler alert for any of those listening in, right? about you know hey he's real he is real yeah Yeah, exactly exactly (laughs) uh he'll be here in what like uh three days exactly two days two days days. he'll be here in two days yeah um (laughs) but yeah we're we're we're, kind of told you know to shut that down and that i think that's a beautiful thing that we see in the film is you know doris has that and doesn't have that belief doesn't have that faith doesn't have that imagination there was a quote that i took from the film that really you know touched me about imagination it was imagination a place all by itself and That's true, because when you go into your imagination, you're taken out of this real world and you create the world you live in now, which is acting in a sense. You know, that's that's the whole business of being an actor, being a being a creator, being an artist in general is having that imagination to create something that doesn't exist and make it real, whether it's you make it physically real or you make it real in your mind or drawings or whatever it is. Right. With imagination, you're able to explore new realms of your own personality and your character. And that's a great quote that you pulled from the movie, because what Santa Claus represents in the film is the belief of the unbelievable. Also to open your mind to things that are sometimes not always tangible, because Santa Claus kind of represents almost a deity type of character in in most cultures worshipped as a mixture of jesus and god as well because like it's the the half man half god type of deity bringing cheer and and happiness to the world he pops up everywhere in certain cultures and and religions and such so the ideal of santa claus is an age-old tradition and in this film in miracle on 34th street they've really hit a certain point where they're using it as a symbol for 
change, I think. Another thing that, that Miracle of 34th Street did is it kind of paved the way for a lot of films of the day. Even when you were kind of explaining the whole plot line of the daughter doesn't really believe, the mom is kind of stuck, you know, in the business world and doesn't believe, and here's Chris Kringle coming in. Immediately when you started talking about that, the first film that came to mind, another Christmas film, is Elf. It's the same premise. It's the exact same premise, right? Buddy comes to town. Exactly. Since these films, you know, It's a Wonderful Life and Miracle on 34th Street, they came out around 1946 and then 1947 for Miracle on 34th Street, 1946 for It's a Wonderful Life. They set up kind of that Christmas standard of filmmaking because a lot of Christmas movies now draw upon the same themes and concepts that these films brought to the table for Hollywood. And Elf, yeah, Elf is a prime example. They redone Miracle on 34th Street a thousand times. I noticed that when I was looking for it. <laughs> but I find the original one is the best because I thought the cast was superb. You know, you have Natalie Wood as the daughter. You have Maureen O'Hara as her mother. And you also have Edmund Gwen playing Santa Claus. You have all these great character actors of the day playing those roles and they bring them to the screen so superbly. A fun little note on Jimmy Stewart when he was doing It's a Wonderful Life. He flew in the Air Force back in the day when PTSD was not really discussed. He had some PTSD from the war and those scenes where he's literally in the bar at Martini's and then and then Nick's in the reality where the, he's the, not the, alive. The alternate reality. <laughs> um, but at Martini's, when he's literally contemplating offing himself, that scene, they said like he really drew upon his PTSD at that moment and he was able to use that film as a kind of healing mechanism too because it allowed him to feel what he needed to feel and react to the horrors of war that he had seen. And I thought it was a really interesting story where Jimmy Stewart used this used It's a Wonderful Life as kind of his coping mechanism to overcome that PTSD that he had coming back from the war, which even adds even more to those moments when you see him on screen. And that's what makes them feel so real and believable and what a great performance by by the whole there was one scene in that film because I, I believe i've seen the film before but i don't know if i've ever seen it all the way through because i you know i always remember the famous every time a bell rings an angel gets its wings right that's like ran all over the place during the holiday season right? oh yeah that's like but the staple this, of that that's like the uh the catchphrase of the film yeah <laughs> But the scene with Mary and George when she's on the phone and he's on the phone together after they've had, you know, that he comes back, he's just kind of frustrated. And he's like, OK, I'm leaving now. And then they have the phone call right with her, you know, at the time, uh, potential lover and just the the tension that builds in that scene is incredible. I just, it gripped me. It pulled me in so much. And I was like, this is incredible right now that this is, I, I was, I was at a loss for words. Well, I, he's being it, like such a dick to her too, because he just kind of storms in and is being all moody. Like I can't get out of Bedford Falls and I can't go see the world. And it's because I'm trapped here because of X, Y, and Z. And he's just like frustrated and you feel that frustration, but it gets to the point where it's like, he gets really nasty with her, but then it, it dawns on him. Oh, my gosh, this woman did all these things for me. And like she really does care for me. And there's someone here. There's something here that I cannot explain. And I need to, you know, stick it out and act and, on it. Yeah. And act on it. Yes, exactly. 
And, and that kind of, you know, that parallels exactly how the film ends too, right? He co- he comes in from losing all that money, right? That he's missing the eight eight thousand, I believe, is what it was. And he's he's mean to his wife. He's mean to his kids. He, you know, everything just super super just evil almost. And then he has that out of not not alive experience anymore. You know, he's coming he's coming back and seeing what it would be like without him. And he returns and he's so happy to see everybody. So it's it's exa- it's an exact parallel to the beginning of the film too, or the middle of the film where, you know, he comes back and sees Mary and he's mad at her. And then he realizes that, hey, what I have here is is something so many people don't have, right? I have love. I have all that. Right. And I have people who care for me and are there for me. And he has that support system. I think also it's him realizing his own flaws as well and realizing what he misses so much too because he does have you know as i said every life has meaning in this life they leave their mark on this world in a certain way whether it's it could be the smallest things from like a kind gesture to just helping a friend out or just being there for people too that's what i think george bailey realizes by going back and seeing a world without him in it He's confronting his own death. The meaning of the film, It's a Wonderful Life, it is a wonderful life. You take for granted the moments that you cherish, and you're only put on this earth for such a short time, and you have to just be thankful for what you have. That's really what the film is trying to convey. For It's a Wonderful Life, for me, uh, I instantly thought of, you know, a Christmas story. Or no, Christmas Carol, a Christmas Carol. Yeah, Christmas Story is a completely yeah. different movie. A little, little bit off there, a little bit off there. Yeah, yeah they, they all had Red Rider BB guns and they kind of went around <laughs> shooting people. <laughs> I mean, George George basically is Scrooge at the end of that film and he's going back and seeing what his life would be like if he wasn't there. Similar to what Scrooge actually does in A Christmas Carol. Exactly. Well, I think Frank Capra definitely was a Dickens fan, or he was well-read for sure, because the concepts he brings into his films really draw upon that Dickensian humanism that came up with Charles Dickens's writing, especially in A Christmas Carol. As you said, same kind of concept of the character having to see the lack of his own life in other people's lives to fully understand oh, my life has meaning. It does affect those around me. There was also, there was one more thing I wanted to mention about. Um, on Miracle on 34th Street, we were watching Christmas at the Cranks last night. I was watching with my family. At the end of the film, the char- there's a mystical character in that too, right? And he's basically Chris Kringle from Miracle on 34th Street. Because at the end of the film, and I caught this because I just watched Miracle yesterday, he has a umbrella in his hand and he has it for the whole movie, you know, just like Chris Kringle has the cane and he bops a guy on the head with the umbrella. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's insane. <laughs> oh, really? Because if you've seen, yeah, if you've seen Miracle, it's a reference it's, to Miracle. Like, that's crazy. I've never, I've never picked that up before. And I've seen Christmas with the Cranks many, many times, but I was like, that's, that's crazy. That character is literally based on Chris Kringle from Miracle on 34th It's Street. a great homage. Yeah. It's a great homage to it. Well, as I said, like all these films, they all draw upon each other there. You know, you have these certain directors that come through and will lay the groundwork for, let's say, Christmas movies. And then the themes just keep getting recycled through every iteration of those films. You have to look back into the past to draw upon for new ideas for the future. I think with Christmas stories in general, uh, Christmas movies, I should say. 
they all try to have some kind of message. Unless they're Hallmark. Unless they're, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah. unless, they're, oh, unless they're unless they're a great Hallmark movie where it's just <laughs> you just get a bottle of white wine and you just put your feet up and you just you just enjoy it for what it's, it is. You just want to feel good. There you go. That's it. That's exactly. all you need. No thinking yeah. involved. And those films have their place, but I think yeah. the thought provoking ones are the ones that stick around and also become timeless masterpieces. I I, I would say because you know, It's a Wonderful Life and Miracle on 34th Street. Those have been around since the 40s, and we're still talking about them to this day. And they're still, they still are exactly relevant to society. Yeah, that's it's that's that's when you know they're they're good films. <laughs> well, they also have very modern uh structure to it. It's not like they're very over the top, slapsticky, just and they don't have acting that is really over the top and dated. The acting is they have great performances in them. They have really great messages, even though some of the the fashion and everything are, you know, very of the 40s at that time. But the thing is, is like a lot of those themes of the day still are relevant to today. We're still going through consumerism. We're still going through capitalism and, you know, just also being thankful for what you have, you know, as it portrays to what we're going through to this even this year. Yeah, I think these films really are prime examples of what a modern Christmas film is, and they laid the groundwork for the modern Christmas film. And and especially watching them right now at the time we're in in 2020, they really help you kind of realize, you know, what's in, what is important, you know, what what is important at this time of year. It's not the gifts. You know, it's it's not all that. It's about you know being with the people you love and just celebrating life. Honestly, that at this year especially with 2020, it's it's really about you know celebrating that even if we're maybe far apart, to still be together in some form or fashion. And that's that's I feel like the most important thing uh, of this year for sure. Well, and also we get to also watch these great movies and share and do this podcast too. So. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, we're in two different spots right now. I'm in, in Texas. You, you're, you know, you're not at your place. We're, in, we're on our portable setups in California. I'm in California. <laughs> oh, oh, dude. My so gosh, I, watched I love it. Jingle all the way I last night. We're, 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 I'm going to go off on a tangent here. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So I've seen that film so many, so many times. It's one of my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger films and kind of Again, continuing with the Christmas spirit of this episode and the themes, uh, <laughs> we have to talk about Jingle All the Way. So Jingle All the Way, I think, literally is kind of a blend of, again, it, it, it has a central character where you you, you have to believe and... Uh, Turbo Man. Uh, Turbo Man. <laughs> uh, <and laughs> so it's Turbo Time. So, but the thing is, is like, what I find interesting is a lot of, you know, Christmas itself, I think just for, is very from a child's point of view, that innocence, that imagination, and that carries over into Jingle all the way. Miracle on 34th Street from a child's perspective and believing in Santa Claus. It's a Wonderful Life is a little more mature, I think, because there's more adult themes that pop up in it. That's why I think also that holds more 
clout as far as like being a timeless Christmas film. But with Jingle All the Way, it's very much from a child's point of view and just wanting a, a doll that you cannot let is impossible to get. That doll is the PS5 this year. Exactly. We went through that with the <laughs> PlayStation 5. So, you know, I, I, I understand that I coming from that kind of sense of having something that you really want for Christmas and then not being able to get it anywhere in stores is hysterical. So Jingle All the Way, I think, has that timeless quality as well because it still holds up even though Arnold's performance is just hysterical to watch but he still has his moments where he wants to just do right by his child and wants to be there for him despite being kind of a crappy dad you know how do you forget your own son's gift for Christmas even though but I think what they're trying to say is that we shouldn't get wrapped up so much in our own work that we're not really being thankful for what we have at home and what we have with the people we have in our lives. No pun intended there with wrapped up. <laughs> we shouldn't get wrapped up, yo. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so yeah, I I, I I just found that really interesting because again, you see similar themes, even even so much more in the current film wise i think the best way to end this episode is just say merry christmas happy holidays and happy new year because the next episode will come out after the new year right? exactly exactly merry christmas guys happy new year stay safe stay healthy and we'll see you in the new year of 2021 merry christmas everybody happy new year see you in 2021 if you like this episode follow us on social media at film detectives for further news and upcoming shows join us next week as we explore filmmakers from around the world Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.